the gift that keeps on giving, and there's a reason. Obviously, it's, it's Christmas season, and that's where everybody, everybody's mind is at right now. It's gifts and, and giving and receiving. And, you know, we went through our, our last two series. We're talking about choosing joy because you really do have to choose joy. You know, it, it, uh, holidays come around, and just life in general happens, and we tend to, the church even tends to carry a spirit, a spirit of heaviness, and yet God gave us the oil of joy for mourning and a, and, a, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and so we have to choose to put on that garment of praise and praise Him, praise Him through our problems, and then, and, and, and so many have to really choose joy when it comes to giving because they don't really, don't really want to, but I'm going to choose the joy and I give anyway, but... But then what you realize is, man, it's, a, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And, and really, when it comes to hearing the voice of God, when it comes to giving, because you want to carry that generous heart, and not, giving is not, just because you give doesn't mean you're generous. And so really, a generous heart is what God wants to work in us and through us and out of us, and He wants us to be obedient to His voice anytime He wants to speak for any purpose whatsoever. And so he tends to, and as we saw when Jesus was on earth, he focused on the areas of, of finances and things, properties and, and wealth because it got our attention. And if he can get our attention, now he can speak to us. Now, now you hear me, now that I got your attention. And then really he wants, to, he wants to speak to us, but he has so many gifts for us. He wants us to receive his Holy Spirit. He wants us to know his Holy Spirit. He wants us to know him because the Holy Spirit is him. But he wants us to know the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be able to hear him and release and use the gifts that he has given us for his kingdom, for his purposes, for his people. And he has to get our attention in order to do that. So he's got to talk about your wallet a little bit. <laughs> he's got to talk about your wallet so that he can release gifts through you. And so we're going to break down this whole concept of who the Holy Spirit is and that the Holy Spirit even exists and, and that, you know, some don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. Some, some belief systems think that He's just a power. It's just a power from God, and it's not necessarily form of God or, or God Himself. And so we're going to break down this in slow baby steps because we all come from different backgrounds, different denominations, or different, uh, different beliefs, different teachings, whatever it is. But we're trying to bring everybody in together to what Scripture says. Let's just get back to what the Word of God says. And if you have an issue with the Word of God, go wrestle with God a little bit and come out like, like Jacob did. You might come out with a limp, but God's going to be right no matter what. So let's get into the Word. We're, we're talking about that third, uh, third person of the Trinity. And so we're going to be in John 14, 15, and 16 today. I can't read all of the passages to you, all the chapters to you, but I'm going to break down some information. I'm going to jump back and forth because this is the time. This is about the last 12 to 15 hours of Jesus' life before he went to the cross. And so there's a lot of meat right here, and there's a lot of things. It's almost like this, you know, I'm a, they're sending off letter. You ever talk to somebody who knows they're about to die? And then they start spilling out life and what's important to them and what they think is important to you. There's information that they know it's it's a must-share moment. They want to share attributes of their life, things that they learned, and, and things that they know about that you may not know about, and they've watched your life, and they realize there's some missing links, and finally, they say, time is short. I've got to tell you this stuff, and this is kind of what Jesus was doing uh, in this last time. So in, the, in chapter 14, they're in the Last Supper, which right there before the Passover feast, and many of us know that Jesus is the Passover, and he was the Passover lamb. He, he was the Passover feast. 
John 14 is there, and then it goes into 15. 15, most theologians will see and believe that it's about when they start walking in. He gets up at the end of 14, and he says, let us go, and then they go to the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. Anybody ever been to Israel? You've been to Israel? Went in 2015, I think. Been to Israel. I, I, by the way, we're, we're working on it. We might go in 2021 if anybody's interested. So just, just so you know, it's about a four to $4,500 trip, but it, it's a great trip, and it's a trip of a lifetime. Anyway, I've been, went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there's a lot of olive trees, believe it or not. There's a lot of olive trees, and they're very old. And so they believe in John 15, that's when he starts walking into the Garden of Gethsemane, because that's when he starts using terminology like, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches, the Father is the vine, vine dresser. And then he does this thing, it's like this sending off, he says, okay, he begins to introduce this new concept, and he introduces them to the Holy Spirit, and from for 15 and 16, he starts talking about you know, those who really love me, they'll keep my commands. They'll abide in me, and I'll abide in them. But I'm going to send you a helper. He starts saying all these things. He's, he's, he's changing the dynamic of the relationship from me to you to you to the Holy Spirit. And there's, there, there's a lot of things we're going to break down in this. But we're going to move slow so that we all kind of get it. Um, so there you know. And I want you to know this this podcast, th- these messages are on iTunes, they're on Google Play, and so you want to go back and listen to this. Our notes are on version. You, you'll need to save those notes in version. Go to the More, go through the Events page, and uh, click there. You might want to share this link, share the page, share the notes on your Facebook or, or Instagram. If you will, if you'll support, uh, we're supporting rather, promoting the Family Peace Project. So if you'll check in on Facebook or share it on Facebook and then hashtag the Family Peace Project, which is a local ministry, that way it'll get the name out and get information out to those who want to serve locally. Uh, but if you'll do those things, that'll help us, and that way we can help our community, and we want people to know kind of where we're going. There's a lot of people who are, now that we have that building coming up over there, a lot of people are interested in, like, what's going on over there? Well, if you'll share these things, they'll know exactly what we're learning, where we're growing, where they can get information about, uh, about us through iTunes, Google Play, etc. But I want to I break this down in John 14 and 16. And he says this, this is Jesus, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you. He's shifting it around. John 14, 17 says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. By the way, the Bible never refers to the Holy Spirit as it. You'll hear a lot of people say it, it, it. The Bible never refers, it, it, the Bible refers to him as he. The reason is, the reason we need to know this is until we until we begin to understand that he is a person and he is a person of God, then we will never develop a personal relationship with him. And that's what God desires, that we develop a personal, each one of us develop a personal relationship with him, the Holy Spirit. John 14, 25 says this, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. 26, but the helper, here we go, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Next chapter, same verse, verse 26. It says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. 
Verse, 16, uh, verse 7 in chapter 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You ever got a revelation from the Lord, and it just starts to work on you right where you are in the season that you're in, and you're like, wow, why didn't I know that before? And I want to know so much more, but he doesn't quite give you the so much more because he's got to let that, that revelation that he just gave you kind of saturate and give you new understanding of your perspective of your life in him in your life and the kingdom in that situation and how life truly functions. He gives you revelation. He gives you an awareness that there is another way. There is a way through this. There is a blessing on the other side of this. There is a blessing from this. He gives you a new understanding of life in general, and all of a sudden, wisdom and maturity starts to increase. You can't bear it all in one time. So he gives it to us little by little. John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truths, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. You notice how it says he, him, not, never it. Never will you see it. The helper, he, Jesus refers to him, the Holy Spirit, as the helper. This word is parakletos. It comes from the Greek. It's actually two words put together. Kletos means alongside. Interestingly, para is really called or to sent, sent one. Now, in this context, it says to come. We would say to come alongside. He's a helper. A helper comes alongside you. But in the Greek, when it says it is called or sent, that's also the same terminology of when you're thinking about the apostolic ministry, an apostle. An apostle would be a sent one. That word was also a Greek word that Jesus took and used it. He always used culture to bring things into light of the kingdom. He takes what we know, and he brings it into what God is doing. So the, an apostle is one who is sent, who is called out. Apostle is one who comes from another region into a place to tell and to bring customs and traditions and uh, culture from the place from which he is sent to the place to where he's going so that he can culturize. Why does that matter any, whatsoever? Because this ministry that's buried inside of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in the kingdom realm. He is called, he is sent from God the Father and Jesus himself to us so that he can reveal all things to us and he can explain how the kingdom works outside of the natural and through the natural things that we tend to see. So what he's doing, the helper is helping us to see the kingdom culture that he wants to implement through us because he's sent from another kingdom into this until he establishes a new kingdom. There's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. I don't want to bury you, but what I want to get back to the place is he's our intercessor. He's our helper. He's our consoler. He's our advocate. He's here to be a blessing to us. He's here to tell us about godly things. He's here, here to be our personal guide. The Old Testament calls him a comforter. And some of you may, may have in your home this thing that's called a comforter. It lays out on your bed, typically, and, uh, and, and, it, and it has different purposes in it. But my wife 
being from Honduras, they have one season in Honduras. It's hot. And so for seven, six, seven years now, every year, and it's, it's legit right now, we're out, the comforter doesn't come out until about January or, or February. And I'm like, where is that nice warm comforter? Because my feet are freezing. As last night, my feet were freezing. So instead of a comforter, we have three blankets that are very thin. It's more like a bedspread. And every year, and I'm not kidding you, every year I'm thinking, where's my comforter? Where's our comforter? And I go in the closet and I see there's the comforter way up there. Why is it not on our bed? And so that happens. And then we go into, finally in January, February, that comforter comes out. And there it is, nice on our bed. And I get to stay warm now. My feet aren't freezing. But then that comforter stays out till about June or July. And it's hot. And you're wondering, why is it so hot in here? You're throwing the comforter off of you, but yet the comforter's still on the bed and you're still using this comforter. Now, how many, how many of us actually work and, and live with the Holy Spirit just like that, our comforter? We don't listen to him until it's out of season. Our comforter is always out of season in our home, but how many of us, how much of the body of Christ waits, they're going through a struggle, we're going through an issue, we're going through a problem, we, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, but we don't actually listen until the season has passed. And then we wonder, why didn't I listen before? There's so much of the church even that doesn't even know there is a comforter. Or that the comforter is for looks, but not for use. Because some houses have those comforters. No, you don't. Don't you, don't you, lay, on that comf- don't you lay on that comforter. It will be removed when the man comes home from work. <laughs> I know what you're going to do. Don't mess up my comforter. And that's an issue. So we've got to get this, that number one, the comforter, the he, the Holy Spirit, he's my helper. He's our helper. He tells you what to say. He tells you when to say it. He tells you what to pray. And he reminds you of scriptures that you need for any moment. He tells me what not to say. <laughs> And I need a lot of help because there's a lot of things I want to say, but don't you do it. Nathan, don't say it. Don't say it. Some of the blessings from the Holy Spirit for me is keep my mouth shut. John 16 and 8 says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9 says, Of sin because they do not believe in me. He convicts of sin righteousness and judgment. Anybody ever been convicted of sin? The reason why we need to be convicted of sin, or if you've never been convicted of sin, you never really realize that you are in need of a Savior. And so he convicts us of sin so that we'll realize, you know what, I can't do this on my own. I'm in, I'm in need of a Savior. He points us to Jesus. He convicts us of sin, not other believers. I didn't get saved in the church, and that's okay. You probably won't die in a funeral home. It would be convenient, but it probably is unlikely to happen. I didn't get saved in the church. I had met the church. I grew up in a church. I didn't know Jesus, and I didn't give my life over to Jesus. And many of you probably had a very similar experience. Maybe you grew up in church. You've been in the Bible Belt all your life, and you think, well, my mama was a Christian, my daddy was a Christian, my grandparents were Christians, I must be a Christian. But until you've received that and you felt that conviction, 
and you said, I'm in need of a Savior, there may be still that conviction of sin that's leading you to that place of saying, maybe it's time I truly give my life over to Jesus because I've just been in the environment, but I hadn't been a part of the environment. And if you've ever had that deep conviction, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you feel that deep, oh my goodness, that deep, deep conviction. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says this, No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to lead us to Jesus. In fact, if, if you truly are in Jesus, and if you've truly been saved, then you've truly felt that conviction. If you felt that conviction, then you've actually already had an experience with the Holy Spirit. Because you can't get to Jesus without the Holy Spirit bringing you to him. So you've had some kind of experience with him. You know what the feeling is if you've had that deep conviction and he's led you to Jesus. John 16.10 says he convicts of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Have you ever been convicted of righteousness? I'm going to change your thinking a little bit. The same one who who convicts us of sin wants to convict us of righteousness too. He wants, this, he wants to convict us of righteousness because Jesus has gone to the Father. you got to get this. Jesus is saying, I'm no longer going to be here. In fact, i, I got to get out of here. I need to go. So Jesus spends this time, and he says, disciple, body of Christ, I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. So, the Jesus, so Jesus has gone to the right hand of the Father, right? He's interceding on our behalf. That's what Scripture says. Jesus is now introducing us directly by way of the Holy Spirit to the Father. Jesus came as man on earth, conceived by the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, but then the Holy Spirit baptized him in front of all. He came as a man empowered by God so he could reveal to us what it looks like, how we can live this life out as humanity, empowered by a holy God, and bring the kingdom to earth and implement. Because when Jesus said, when anytime somebody was healed or any kind of miraculous work, he said the kingdom was near. So Jesus came to model that. He models this conversation with the, with the Father. Back and forth, we see him talking to the Father. He pulls away to go talk with the Father. And now, through all of that, he even, he, he even identifies, he shows the authority of being able to speak and have this relationship with the Father. Even Pharisees made recognition of this. Then, at the end of all of this example that he set, he now tells the people... I, I must go. I am setting you up. You can now speak to the Father. You don't need a mediator. The Holy Spirit is the only mediator you need. You can talk with the Father because he's your Father. I'm out of here. I'm going. He convicts us of righteousness, he says, because he is going to the Father. He convicts us. He convicts us that Jesus has paid for our sin in full, and we are now righteous by his grace. Righteous, he convicts us that he wants to convict us that we are righteous because we are now in right standing with God. And many of us, some of us have actually been convicted of sin, so we realize I'm in need of a savior. We came to Jesus, but we haven't quite understood that we've been, and have not been convicted of righteousness yet. Because so many of us struggle with, the, with forgiveness, with, with shame, with guilt, with doubt, with all the things that came before we actually came to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
So when we're in, when we're being convicted of righteousness, and we now understand I've been convicted of righteousness, I understand now I am in right standing with God. I need not have shame, guilt, fear, worry, anxiety, any kind of up being upset or bothered by anything in my past because I am now forgiven and I am in right standing with God. And a lot of the body of Christ has not been convicted of righteousness yet, and it's not that they haven't been convicted, they just haven't received the conviction of righteousness that they're walking in. Because they're still living in the past, and they've yet to look forward to the future and what God is doing right now. When we are convicted, there's another word. This word also means convinced. In some version, it says convinced. We are convinced. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit wants to convince us that we are in right standing with God. Many have not been convinced yet. We're carrying a lot of weight, and that weight doesn't belong to us. And this is a pretty good deal. you got to get it. So he convicts us of sin so that we'll believe in Jesus. He, he convicts us of righteousness so that we will overcome and we will know where we stand. And then in John 16, 11, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. John 14, 30, I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. And Jesus says, I'm about to dethrone Satan, where Jesus was about to go. Think about it. He was about to go to the cross. I'm about to dethrone Satan. I'm about to strip him down. I'm about to make a public spectacle of him. I'm about to take back all authority, and he will have no longer have any dominion. Did that happen at the cross in those three days? Now, why are we still struggling with it? Here's our misunderstanding, and many of you grew up in this church. We think that the Holy Spirit comes and He wants to convict us that you're a sinner and you're not living right, and God's going to get you. That's what we believe that that convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You're a sinner. You're going to go to hell. You ain't living right. God's going to get you. He convicts us that we're, we're centered, that we are sin when we're, we're sinners when we're not in Christ, so that we will understand I am in need of a Savior. I can't do this on my own. He convicts me that I'm forgiven, and now I'm righteousness by grace. He convicts us of my, me of my righteousness, that I am in right standing with God. And then he, say, say, he says, Satan has been defeated, and Satan no longer has any authority over you. We've got to be convicted of that judgment as well. Because there's another group. You've, been, you've received the conviction of, this, of sin. You've, you've, your conviction of sin. You've been convinced. I've, I need a Savior. You've been convicted and convinced, yes, now I'm in right standing with God. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm done with the, the old creation. The old man is gone, and behold, the new man has come. But you still struggle, and you still give a lot of credibility to Satan, that Satan is just ruining your life. And what it is, is you haven't quite overcome the very things that God is allowing so that you can be the overcomer that he's called and created you and he's blessed you to be. So instead of leaning in to God, we lean back and we give credibility to Satan in so many things and areas of our life. It's like this. Many people work in, in the prison system here, so you'll get it. It's like, it's like a man being in solitary confinement, and all he's got is a little peephole, and he's yelling, and he's yelling, and he's blabbering, and he's blabbering, and he's got all the prison guards in fear, but he's the one that's entrapped. And when he does this, who's the one that's really imprisoned? The prison guards. Thank you. That's right. 
You get in the picture? He has no authority. He has no dominion. He's been stripped down. He's been made a public spectacle of. He's just talking and blabbing and trying to throw out little tricks to us, and we give him credibility, and he puts us in bondage when he's the one that's really in bondage. And we fall for it. We haven't been convicted of judgment, that he has been judged, and he has no authority. He has no dominion. I really broke this down last Easter, Daniel 7, you go to study that, but our victory, dominion, message, and last Easter, you got to listen to it. you gotta, you got to listen. I just break it down where if you got an argument, man, let's sit down and talk about it. But our job, our place, a believer's place is to just love people and let the Holy Spirit do the work of conviction. If we just love the people, the Holy Spirit will do all of these things and all we, all we get credibility, all I got to do is love them. All I got to do is love him. Number two, he's my friend. He's my friend. And by the way, next week is our equip track, and he also empowers us to serve others. That's, the, that's where we get that empowerment to serve others. It carries the heart of God. December 8th is our equip track. Register. You can livewithpurpose.church. You can register there, or you can register on our kiosk outside, livewithpurpose.church, and in our events page. But get, get set up. Get signed up. We'll have lunch for you. We want to get you plugged in. It's about you learning who you are, but, who, but it also is about learning your spiritual gifts, your personality type, and how God works through all of these things. We also want to share with you the culture of the church, what we believe, what we believe, why we do what we do. But you got to get it. You got you to get it and get in the game. He's my, he's my friend. He's my helper. And he's not weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not spooky. People are weird. You're weird. But the Holy Spirit is not, the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's, he's got this, you ever heard this term, guilty by association? Anybody ever been guilty by association? You didn't really do anything. You just hung out with the wrong people. Or how about you were the one doing things and other people were guilty by association with you? That's more like it. That's how my friends were. Guilty by association with me. But here's the, here, here's the thing. Those people are weird without the Holy Spirit. There's people who talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves to just hang out with people, right? There, there's people that are extroverts. There's people that are introverts. There's people that are highly logical people, and there's people that are highly emotional people. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, there's a supernatural element that's connected with the natural, and all of a sudden, different things start to happen. And the people that are known within church culture to be weird, those people are weird even without the Holy Spirit. So don't blame the Holy Spirit for people being weird. It's not the Holy Spirit that's weird. There's actually, there's actually a poll too, Fina. There's a poll. It says one in three people are weird. So look to your left. Look to your right. And if none of those people are weird, So you can be completely normal, perfectly normal, and, be and believe in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Perfectly normal. And he's the only one can that can empower us to win the world over for Christ. And Satan knows this, and he can't stand it. So he makes the church afraid of the Holy Spirit. 
The Satan is the only is the one who wants to keep us from fully submitting, fully coming under the power of the Holy Spirit, because he remembers what happened when the first church that did that, what happened there. Many were healed, they became extremely generous, thousands were saved in a day, and the, this church turned the world upside down. So in the 1900s, early 1900s, there was a similar outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came, and it made Satan really nervous. So his plot and his plan was to put all the attention on one gift. And by doing that, he turned the people's hearts, he created division amongst the church, and he turned the people's heart against the Holy Spirit. Well, if it looks like that, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And there's a major issue with that. Rather than the people observing the same experience that took place in the book of Acts, which was they had the power to preach the gospel and they had signs that followed. Acts 1.8 says this, this is Jesus' words, and Jesus knows what he's talking about, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And he says where? You will receive power to be my witnesses. The evidence, or rather the benefits of the, I'd rather say, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is this, you get the power to be a witness of Christ, Now, that power to be a witness of Christ manifests itself in different attributes. You get the spiritual gifts that come along with that. The power, the spiritual gifts are empowered for what purpose? Is to be a witness for Christ because the Holy Spirit now wants to use us to lead people to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one doing the job. All we have to do is come under the Holy Spirit. He gives gifts. Now, he also tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 which is wrapped around gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, it's all about gifts. Chapter 13 is about, here's how I want you to deliver those gifts. So you get the power to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The spiritual gifts come along with that, but he says, you better do it in love. You better do it in love. And some, of it, some people are hard to love. But when you've got the power of the Holy Spirit working through you, all of a sudden you've got a supernatural ability to love people because now it's God's heart flowing through you and he's, he's washed out your heart because I'm telling you, you need that if you're going to truly love people and let the Holy Spirit do the work. And then here's the next thing. You're carrying it out with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit just starts to work through you, and now, supernaturally, you are a different person. The old person is gone, and the new creation has come. And then there's another type of fruit, the fruit of bearing much fruit for the kingdom of God, where salvations are now taking place, and God is using this power to witness with the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit vesseled through love so that we can bring glory to the Father and introduce people to Jesus. And all I got to do is come under and yield to the Holy Spirit and let him do the work through me. All I have to do is be a willing vessel. All I have to do is say, Father, I need your love for this person because I can't stand them in the natural. But when, you, when the Spirit of God, when the heart of God falls over you, all of a sudden you've got a supernatural ability to love. A spiritual gift from God, a spiritual gift from God used without love is exploitation and it doesn't honor God. A spiritual gift from God that is used without love is exploitation, and it doesn't honor God. Now, spiritual gifts that are vesseled through love 
deploy the heart of God, bringing the kingdom into an environment. Let me give you an example. When I I walk into a room or I walk into a place and I'm just yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit and I'm watching in a room to see what the Holy Spirit is doing and I'm not paying attention to what I want but what He wants, all of a sudden He begins to identify things on people or a person that He wants me to see because He's the one that's wanting to do a work in them. I don't have to have any charge or control over it. In fact, I relent that so that he can work through me. Then all of a sudden, he begins to give me some insight on that individual, and this happens often. And so now he can use whatever spiritual gifts he chooses to use in the moment so that he can bring glory back to himself, and I'm just a yielded vessel so he can work through me. That is bringing the kingdom into, unto earth, into that situation. And Scripture says, in the parables in Matthew 13, Jesus says, it's like when you put the kingdom into an environment, it's like yeast. It begins to grow and expand. And our job here is to do just that. If we're going to pray, kingdom come, your will be, your kingdom come, your will be done, then I need to be a yielded vessel that's willing to allow God, the, by way of the Holy Spirit, to use me to release his spiritual gifts into a situation, to let love be imparted into that environment, and then trust God that he's going to do the work there, thereafter. Because when God touches a person's heart, that person will go and touch another person's heart. And the kingdom is infiltrated into the natural realm. So, so we need the Holy Spirit and all of his attributes. He's my helper, he's my friend, and he's my God. Number three is he's my God. And some of us have been taught negatively about the Holy Spirit. And many, no matter what you've been taught, probably need a renewed heart a renewed awe, a renewed perspective about who the Holy Spirit really is for your life. If, if someone says God the Father and you're good, if someone says Jesus and you're good, but then somebody says the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden your heart gets really tight, it's time for a little bit of renewal. Because there's something inside of you that does that. You may not know where it came from or why it exists, but there's something inside of you that has something against God. Because the Holy Spirit is God too. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, and they complete one. John 14, 16, I'll show you where we see for several verses where we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all together. John 14, 16 says, and I, Jesus, will pray the Father, and many, some versions says ask, but it says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, parakletos. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. That's Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit right there. John 15, 26, But when the, whole, the Helper comes, whom I, Jesus, will, shall send to you from the Father, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit descended, in Luke 3, 22, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, like a dove, upon him, that's Jesus, And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they all defer to one another. Jesus is trying to tell you about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is trying to tell you about Jesus. Jesus is trying to reveal the Father to you. Jesus is trying to connect you by way of the Holy Spirit to the Father so that you can have a direct relationship with the Father so He can be your Father. They're all, if we were to sit there and listen to their conversations, they wouldn't talk about themselves specifically. They would sit there and talk about, no, you did a great job. That was wonderful. 
Wow, you're, you are just wonderful. I can't believe you. When you did that, that was just amazing. They would, they would defer to one another because they're constantly trying to reveal to us the other attribute, the other person. And here's how you know the Holy Spirit is God. Acts 5.3 says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Verse 4 says, You have not lied to men, but to God. When they lied to the Holy Spirit, they weren't lying to men. They were lying to God. Satan's trick has been to get the church to speak negatively about the Holy Spirit because they're actually speaking negatively about God himself. Satan's trick, at least in America since the 1900s, has convinced people, let's stay away from those Holy Spirit people. But the Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus sent so that we can have direct connection to the, Holy, to, to the Father. So if we're, we're avoiding our direct connection to the Father, then what are we doing? We're having a lion's club with no lion. Where's the power? It's a great business, and it's very religious, but it lacks the power thereof. Great institution, but there's no power. Because unless we're willing to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we're just hanging out. We're just doing church. We'd be clubbing. Commentary 12, commentary that, that, uh, that has been shared throughout for about for probably a hundred years now, I'm going to read to you, and it's all about the Holy Spirit. And these are all based on verses. You can track this all throughout Scripture. And it says this. I think you can read up there. The Holy Spirit intercedes through us on earth. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies ministers for their work. It is the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers of their flo- over their flock. He hears, speaks, teaches, and guides us into all truth. He glorifies Christ receives from Christ, shows us Christ, and brings all of Christ's words to our remembrance. It is better for us that Jesus left so he could come. He shows us things to come, knows the deep things of God, searches all things, and reveals all things. Where he is, there is liberty. The writers of the Bible spoke as they were moved by him. We, wa- we are warned not to grieve him or quench him. The sin against him is unpardonable because sin against him is sin against the Holy One who can reveal the Son to us. Unless a man is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We are convinced by him, born by him, born again by him, led by him, filled with him, and sealed by him. I think we need the Holy Spirit. I, I think we need the Holy Spirit now more than ever. And as I was telling you, there's times when God just gives me a word or gives me something, some kind of insight for an individual, and he follows it up with love and compassion, I can feel the love of the Father for that individual. Never has the Lord given me a word or any kind of feeling for an individual that is about shame or condemnation or to bring, them, bring upon guilt to them. Never. It's always been met with an emotion of compassion or love and a word that I couldn't already know on my own in the natural that would speak directly to their hearts that they would realize this must be from God. And always the purpose was to lead them back into a love relationship with a holy God. Every time. And, And do you know that kind, wonderful, loving person, you know who that is? That's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. 
And he desires to know you better, and he desires that you have a more intimate, personal relationship with him. He knows all things to come. Why wouldn't we want to lean into him and hear how this story plays out? Why wouldn't we want to lean in in our difficult times and hear from him because he knows the source, he, he is the source and knows the outcome of my situation. Why would I want to flail and complain and cry and worry and be filled with anxiety and stress when I can just lean in and hear from the Holy Spirit who brings me peace and revelation in a moment that can get me through this situation that no one else could? Why wouldn't we? And some of us may actually need to repent for not fully understanding and receiving God as, as the Holy Spirit as God. Some of us just need a renewed vision of the fullness of who Holy Spirit really is. Some of us just need to be more aware of the Holy Spirit in our lives and mindful that the words that he's putting on my heart to speak, though it may make me nervous and a little bit timid to deliver that word, I might ought to give that because it's truly from the Holy Spirit and it edifies, it exhorts, and it encourages, and it never tells, tears down. Scripture tell, tells us that. I might ought to be willing to deliver that message. So I, wanna, I want you to close your eyes. And we always try to gear you back to the Holy Spirit. So the question is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe, maybe you've got the conviction of sin. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you realize, you know what, I just met the church, but I haven't fully given my life over to Jesus yet. And maybe it's time to receive that conviction of sin and realize you're in need of a Savior. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you need to be convinced of your right standing with God so you can quit flailing over the past. Maybe you need to be convicted of righteousness. His righteousness. Maybe you need to understand the judgment that Satan has already been put under so that you can quit allowing him to torment you where you are. Maybe it's time to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Scripture says all you have to do is ask. My hope is through the process of this whole series that everybody receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to go back on version and study in the notes all this week and do the same through this whole series until you are convicted, convinced that you are in need of the Holy Spirit in your life. Our prayer team will be available up here after the worship, and there will be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit waiting to pray with you. Maybe you need to pray over one of your needs. Maybe your finances, relationships. Maybe you need them to lay hands on you so that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But if you came in with a need, please don't leave without prayer. Please don't leave with that need. Come up 
and allow someone to be in agreement with you and allow the Lord to work. If you will, let's just stand up and let's, let's worship God because he is so good.